Dunk It Holder is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they'll able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And I'm taking a look at the GameTime app now. If you want Saints-Colts tickets, that's going to be a good maybe Christmas gift. You could get the best prices there. Or if you want to sneak one in at the last second, uh, maybe national championship games coming up. You could do that as well here uh, in New Orleans. So absolutely go check out the Game Time app. It's simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Welcome back to the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you. It is a bonus podcast because. We're doing a big, large spread here at The Athletic on our looks throughout each market, each sport, on our all-decade teams. It's kind of like our all-decade blitz. And, of course, this is going to be a freebie. So if you subscribe to Duncan Holder, you're getting this one through Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So rate, review, subscribe. And, of course, if you want to go in-depth and check out all of our coverage of this all-decade blitz in every market. We've got Saints and LSU. I know uh, we, we've got plenty of New Orleans moments, all, all kinds of great stuff. You can go check that out, theathletic.com slash New Orleans, or to get on board with our pod, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. And Jeff, uh, I'm the one who wrote the all-decade team for the Saints. Of course, you and me, that's kind of the advantage we have here uh, being seasoned and experienced, I won't call us old, uh, that we have covered this in- <laughs> a little bit, that we have, inc- we have covered this entire decade of this Saints team and have a really good sense of what we're doing. It's kind of what we do at The Athletic, you know, seasoned writers and uh, make sure you get the best coverage. Uh, and, and Jeff, I know you've seen the story and uh, you might have some questions, I'm sure, at quarterback. You're definitely questioning my choice there with uh, with Drew Brees instead of Taysom Hill. I know you're crying and weeping over this. But I'm going to oddly hand over the moderating duties to you today. This was your call, man. I don't know if you can handle it. You trying to get insightful information out of me. That's That's a different story. Big shoulders. To lean on here, the Duncan Holder podcast. I'm taking over the mic, Sir Lawrence. And I believe in New Orleans, we refer to this as Lanyap, right? This is a Lanyap uh, podcast for our listeners. I would say so. Well, yeah. we have two Lanyaps because we've uh, this week, it's the Thanksgiving season, two holiday freebies. And of course, our podcast later in the week after Saints Falcons will be behind the Athletics paywall. So make sure you go and subscribe. So, yeah, Jeff, this is Lanyap. This is your lanyap moment, so look, bring it at me. I mean, I, I'm sure you're seething to get all my insight from the All-Decade team, and I know you're going to uh, be providing some insight as well. Well, look, I, I will say this. I mean, and I'm sure when you were putting together your team, uh, you thought about this. What, what a decade it's been for the Saints and for their fans. 
from 2010 to 2019. You talk about a roller coaster, right? It it started with a Super Bowl championship, uh, you know, went up all the way through what I consider to be the, the Super Bowl era, probably all the way to 2011. You might throw 2012 in there since they went to the playoffs. And then it careened down to those three, seven, and nine seasons. Sean Payton almost left. Uh, the entire thing would have been in disarray. And now we have this second run at the end of the decade with this great core of players, mainly from the 2016 and 17 drafts. Uh, so it's been quite a like ride uh, of different players. And I'm sure that was a little bit of a challenge for you when you put together your team picking players from this current iteration and from the Super Bowl era, you know, 2009 to 2011 or 12. Absolutely. It's hard to differentiate. Okay, you've got a run of safeties, say, like Roman Harper and Malcolm Jenkins, and then it gets really muddy uh, when you remember, say, like Jarris Bird, Kenny Vaccaro, those sort of players. And then you get to the back end and you're starting to see young players really start to bud and blossom like Yvonne Bell and Marcus Williams. How do you differentiate which one is there? And, and Jeff, I was also thinking about it. Man, good thing we weren't looking back at, say, like the 90s, because after about, what, 92, it all goes downhill. I mean, we'd be talking quarterback like Jim Everett, Heath Shuler, the Billy Joes. I mean, we would have a hard time picking an all-decade quarterback if that were the case. And I'll just cut off the first one right away quarterback look obviously took Drew Brees and that's shocking uh, that's the, I'm, that's I'm the biggest that's the biggest no-brainer of them all he's the quarterback of uh the millennium the franchise history obviously well deserved and Taysom may have been a close second actually you know what Teddy would have beat him out I think Teddy what? Teddy or maybe Sh- or Sean Canfield might have beat out Taysom Hill. <laughs> That's a good one, man. I forgot about Canfield. Well, look, I mean, Breeze was the ultimate no-brainer. Uh, I think it would be interesting who would be the backup. Who would you pick as Breeze's all-decade backup? Chase Daniel or Bridgewater? Ha- Honestly, I'd have to pick Teddy. I mean, he went in and started and won games. I mean, because let's let's think back. Uh, Chase Daniel didn't really play. Uh, Brunel didn't even play in this decade. He played at the very end of 2009, so I wouldn't consider him. Luke McCown played one game. Uh, Taysom was an interesting thing just because he plays a lot more, but he's a different position. But I'd have to say Teddy. He's undefeated. I, I take that back. He's at technically 5-1 and one as a starter because he lost Week 17. So, yeah, but Teddy would have to be it. I mean, just because he's actually seen action in one games. But And he's also, I think we all agree, the mo- easily the most talented of that group. Um, right. Although I would argue Taysom's got a shot. We'll see. Uh, Taysom's right, so, very talented. Look, that's their best room they've got. So we, we all know that. We've documented that. All right. Well, right. So that was a no-brainer. I'm sure you you took 0.5 seconds to write down Drew Brees' name. What about running back? Did you struggle at running back at all? I did, and I cheated. I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, I, I thought went so. To, I cheated because I said, hmm, I could get away with this. I used the AP's all-pro way of deciphering this team, which means it gives you a room for two running backs and a flex. And so uh, it's hard because, boy, you can't disclude someone like Pierre Thomas, who that was almost the shaky one on the list. And and maybe it's just revisionist history, but uh, I have Mark Ingram and Pierre Thomas as my running backs, quote unquote, and I'm giving away my flex. My flex is Alvin Kamara. But 
it's hard to differentiate um, among those three just because Mark Ingram has bounced back to be one of the best running backs in Saints history after a sluggish start uh, to much of his career. It's almost like half of his career wasn't great, and then the second half was very good and one of the best we've seen. And then also, you can't leave Pierre Thomas out just because, yes, he made his hay a lot in the 2009 season, and I'm not counting that uh, since it's 2010 and on. But he had some big years there, longevity with the team. So I figured he deserved it, and I don't I don't think we can ever forget Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's so explosive, and he's he's going to be the, the face of now and, and the future. So I made a way to kind of cheat my way into getting some of those guys in. Was there anyone that you thought deserved consideration other than those three? Maybe like Sproles a little bit. You know, he had a three-year run, and but it was like 2011 was kind of his big season. And you had to just kind of go look back and say, all right, I'm not thinking about Chris Ivory, but he was in this decade and uh, some other running backs like that. But I think the top three are pretty easy to point out. And here's the thing. If I only had to pick two, I think I might leave Pierre Thomas out. And I think that's a little... A little bit of surprise, but I think his best years really came 2008, 2009. And then you kind of muddied the waters when you had three running backs. Like I said, Chris Ivory, Darren Sproles, all these backs were within the... uh, And then Mark Ingram comes in and takes over for Reggie Bush was even in this part of this decade. So it kind of muddies it for Pierre Thomas a little more and... Uh, you know, it, that's that's that was one I had. I like I said, I cheated. I, I definitely cheated to give myself a way out to include Pierre in this mix. And I thought Darren Sproles' 2011 season. I think I think he set a club record for most yards from scrimmage or some or most all-purpose yards, including his returns. I mean, he had an epic year. His tenure just wasn't quite probably long enough to deserve consideration. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think we we both agree. Alvin Kamara is going to probably end up being the best of this bunch. I mean, he's he might end up being the best running back in the franchise's history. Uh, Deuce McAllister certain think, certainly thinks he's going to eventually eclipse all of his records. Uh, so I think it was smart to do, go flex there and reward Pierre Thomas, a guy that kind of did a lot of uh, underrated things uh, for the Saints. And I think inside the locker room was always really appreciated uh, as a teammate, did a lot of dirty work, was a good blocker. You know, he did a lot of things that sometimes don't go unnoticed, uh, that don't go noticed um, other than just running the ball at running back, you know? Oh, absolutely. Blocking, of course, great in the screen game. Like an all, all-time fan favorite. Uh, but, yeah, I think Alvin Kamara, as far as, say, touchdowns and all of this, like he's just a different guy. He's the NFL prototype now, like the type of running back you want. Uh, you know, extremely flexible in the passing game. Someone who can run the ball on the outside. He could kind of sneak through. Uh, so, yeah, I think of all of these running backs, Alvin Kamara, the way he's going right now will be the best ever. And that's saying a lot, given how much uh, we know Deuce McAllister and how great he was uh, for this team and uh, for so many years. All right, moving on to wide receiver. This seemed like pretty much a no-brainer, almost almost as Big a no-brainer picks as quarterback. 
Yeah, look, I went with Marcus Colson and Michael Thomas. I, I only went two wide receivers. I guess if I needed a shoehorn a third wide receiver, I could have used that flex spot too. But I gave that one to Kamara. Yeah, these are easy. Look, these are going to go down as the two best receivers to ever play for the Saints. Now, one player I did take, I'd say a decent look at. I didn't ponder putting him in. But Brandon Cooks was very good. I think people are going to forget that Brandon Cooks was actually a very good receiver for the Saints. And it just was overtaken by Michael Thomas and jettisoned uh, out. And, of course, Lance Moore played a while uh, for this team. And uh, so I didn't necessarily consider him. But I think you need to give Brandon Cooks a little more credit because he was a very good player for this team. But the Saints just decided to go in a different direction. And obviously it's paid off. But don't forget Brandon Cooks in this decade. I, I feel like I need to say that. Yeah, 2,000-yard seasons, nine touchdowns in, in, in 2015, eight touchdown receptions 2016, and played almost the entire time. He really was only hurt uh, in his rookie year. Last two years he played 16 games. And let's face it, right now the Saints could use Brandon Cooks. <laughs> he would fit in perfectly uh, on this team. But they, they made the trade, and it, it paid off for them as well. But I agree. Mike Thomas – Marcus Colston, no-brainers. They're going to end up being number one, number two on the all-time list uh, for receptions in, in the history of this franchise. All right, let's move on. Tight end. I thought this was an interesting selection, and I totally agreed with it. You mean you didn't want Jeremy Shockey as the tight end? Come on, man. Or, or like Kobe Fleener? Come on. Yeah, I think he was he's big time, baby. No, uh, Jimmy Graham, easy pick there. Pro Bowler, All Pro, and and Jeff, yeah, it, it's funny as we go through some of these. There, these picks will get harder as we go, but it just shows you the dominance offensively, skill position wise. My goodness, uh, how, how great uh, the Saints' run has been. And yeah, Jimmy Graham. Uh, no matter what you think of him uh, as a player now, he at his moment was the best or borderline best tight end in the NFL with Rob Gronkowski. And deserved an All-Pro nod in 2013 and was beaten out for the All-Pro first-team nod by Gronk as they went back and forth to the end. Uh, so, yeah, great weapon. Uh, almost kind of a, I don't want to say revolutionary because we've seen Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates and this, that, and the other. But they shifted the offense to cater to him. I mean, that's not easy to do when, when it's a tight end to be able to do that, Jeff. He also... Famously or infamously, however you want to look at it, got a rule changed in the NFL. You can't dunk over the goalpost anymore. I can still remember that game and the delay that it was caused. But the other thing that I think about when when I think of Jimmy Graham, Larry, is for a long time, he was the only uh, Pro Bowl perimeter player that Drew Brees ever played with. From 2006 all the way up to when he finally made the, uh, Jimmy Graham made the Pro Bowl as a tight end. Breeze had never had a Pro Bowl running back, wide receiver, a tight end. He was the first one and then made All-Pro. And the only other All-Pro that Breeze has played with is, of course, Mike Thomas. So it speaks to Breeze and his greatness as well. He's not surrounded by future Hall of Famers, uh, all the stuff he's done offensively. But uh, Graham was kind of the first breakout guy on the perimeter court, even though you would probably make an argument that Colston – deserved it um, uh, during the early part of his career. All right, offensive line. Uh, Now, this one probably 
I would say you probably had a lot more trouble putting together this group because the Saints have had so many good linemen uh, in those two different iterations, the current one, the current line, and then the, the Super Bowl era line. Yeah, absolutely. I would say look at guard and right tackle specifically, I think, was uh, a challenge. Now, one guard spot, Jari Evans, that one's easy. Uh, look, he's one of the best draft picks, one of the best players that's ever played for the Saints uh, multiple times. Uh, making the Pro Bowl this decade. Of course, first-team All-Pro with my other guard spot, and that's Carl Nix. And I feel like that is the one distinction that I leaned on because he only played for the Saints for two years in this decade, 2010 and 2011. And that was tough for me because I think Ben Grubbs was a good player. I think Larry Warford is a good player. Uh, Now, Larry Warford plays right guard, so maybe in my head I said, oh, well, Jari Evans played right guard. He was a little bit better uh, than Larry Warford. But I just think the all-pro distinction, I mean, just going back to that 2011 season, how absolutely dominant those two guards were, to me, is where I made the move. All right, let me put Carl Nix in this mix. And Jeff, I'll also just shift over. Uh, Look, center's Max Unger. I think that one's an easy one. But I think the right tackle spot, boy, do you go with longevity or do you go with the the guy who basically beat out Mr. Longevity? And I went with longevity. I went with Zach Streep because I feel like throughout much of this decade, he improved uh, once he became a starter. And I feel like the older he got, he improved. And then the injury kind of made way for Ryan Ramchek, who if we're going to do an all-decade team for the next decade from, say, 2020 to 2029... Uh, Ryan Ramchek's going to be that guy. He's one of the best tacklers in the NFL. So I think the Knicks spot and the Streets spot, I definitely had to weigh a lot of options there. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you picked Knicks, uh, who had a short tenure but spectacular with the Saints. But then you went with longevity in the Streep case when you could definitely make the argument that Ramchek has been more spectacular in his tenure, even though it's brief, than Streep. Yeah, that is interesting how I weighed it, but maybe I'm just superficial. Knicks had an all-pro, first-team all-pro, a Pro Bowl season. Ryan Ramchek has not been there. He should be there, but he's not. And so in my snap debate, let's all right, let's make a pick. That was my reasoning uh, between those two positions. Yeah, I think there's no doubt Ramchek is the better player, the more talented player, but you have to take into account with a guy like Streif all the other stuff, right? The the intangibles, the leadership. Uh, you know, he was a constant. He always played. He played hurt. There's a lot of things, I think, that go into rewarding a guy like that. Uh, very similar to, I think, what, what we did, uh, what you did with Pierre Thomas. All right, we're going to flip over to the defense. And now it's This is be- where it gets spicy, yeah, Jeff. I was going to say, it gets a little <laughs> spicier over here because I think the offense is pretty cut and dried. And what, man, if you could put together that offense, Larry – with Jimmy Graham at his peak and Mike Thomas and Marcus Cook, can you imagine how great that offense would be? They'd be almost unstoppable. Um, they would be the best offense in the NFL, no questions asked. They'd run laps around Tom Brady. I mean, too bad. And Aaron Rodgers. That team yeah. would run laps. Sorry. Yeah, it would be epic. Okay, defensive line. I'm curious about your thought process here. I think everyone agrees Cam Jordan was a no-brainer. I think after Cam Jordan, though, it kind of gets open to debate. 
all of it gets open to debate, especially defensive tackle that gets open to the debate and the other defensive end spot. And I'll just lay out who I have and then kind of go through each one of them. Uh, I have Sheldon Rankins as my, say, three-technique defensive tackle. My nose tackle, this is this is unbelievable. This is this was the most unbelievable pick I had just because I the options were so slim. I picked Tyler Davison at nose tackle. And then my other defensive end, I took Will Smith. So let's start with Rankins. I just think three-technique-wise, uh, and I'm considering here because it, it's hard – Akeem Hicks had a great year in 2013, and in this argument, I considered Hicks as a three-technique defensive tackle, not a nose tackle. And he had one really good year in that spot. Then the defense changed, and things changed, and then he gets traded. And like Talent-wise, Akeem Hicks should probably be in this mix. But he, to me, it, he didn't get it done for a long enough period and so I went with Sheldon Rankins. I think he's getting better uh, as a player. Of course, he's been here since 2016. Uh, uh, and look, missed time for injuries and such, but he's had all defensive tackle. He's had some longevity. And Tyler Davison, man, I'll just tell you what. I honestly, it is so bad at nose tackle. It's like Broderick Bunkley's and uh, Abreu Franklin's and I'm t- uh, t- names you forgot were even like like uh, Kevin Williams, the old Vikings nose tackle. I mean, he was on the team. It it was so. Huh, uh, Remy Adele was still in Remy this mix. Adele. And, I was wondering if you yes. bring him up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's because he was on there in 2010, and so it is such kind of a wasteland there. Uh, and uh, boy, uh, so I just went with. The guy who had been there the longest and longest tenured, and he's a decent player. But I was borderline close to just throwing Malcolm Brown in there. I've seen him for 10 games, and I was like, he's better than all of them. Like, that's how bad nose tackle has gotten, Jeff. So, uh, you know, I'll let you, uh, before we get to Will Smith, I'll I'll let you kind of weigh in on what you think uh, of my choices there. Well, look, I think you did the right thing in picking an actual defensive line instead of an all star line. I think that was smart because. Tyler Davidson is a nose tackle, and you you know that's the way the Saints have played over this decade. You can't have four three technique guys or four defensive ends. That's that's not how it works. So I think it's uh, ad- admirable to pick it that way. It's just un- you knew there was going to be one position probably that that uh, shook out this way, and so I got no problem with that. Tyler Davidson was a solid starter, and it's just a position that you can't argue anyone. I think above him. I think if you got two years out of Malcolm Brown, you could you could make that argument, but we only have one year and not even that. <laughs> Half of a year of body of work right now. So I think it makes perfect sense to me. Will Smith uh or Junior Gallette? What what was the decision there? That was a tough decision, uh, because you go through it and Gallette had two very good years. Uh 2013, 2014, double digit sacks. Uh but to me, he just wasn't an overall great defensive end. And Will Smith, he had three years, 2010, 2011, and 2012. Of course, he tore his uh, ACL in preseason 2013, and that really ended his career. But then outside of that, I think it also goes to show you they've lacked a viable defensive end for quite a while, if I'm having to kind of debate these two guys. But uh, – and. The tool I use for this, Jeff, and it's something you and me have have really leaned on, and it's from Pro Football Reference, and it's 
your approximate value uh, of a player from each season. And the approximate value, it's basically more of like, okay, what's your overall value on this position for your team that particular year? And I went with Will Smith because the values were better in the years he played than the years uh, that Gallette played. So they don't necessarily just, boy, if you have a lot of sacks, your number gets high. I mean, they value overall play. And so this was a hard one, despite uh, my really feelings on Junior Gallette. I think he's one of the scummier players I've ever covered. I have no problem saying that. And everything he's done is why he's no longer with the Saints and uh, he's really frowned upon now by the fans. Uh, But I tried to take that element out of it. And that's why it made a really more difficult decision. Uh, Because do you go overall end or do you go just a guy who's a pass rush specialist and Junior did that very well for two years. So maybe a little bit of bias came in this. I don't know. But you can't discount, Jeff, and you mentioned it with Streif. Will Smith was one of the most respected players in this locker room in the history of the team, and Junior Gallette was a cancer. So that probably played into it as well. Yeah, you know what I, I think of when you look at Gallette, and I think it's uh, smart, though, to acknowledge, I mean, 22 sacks in two years is nothing to uh, sneeze at. That's that's impressive. But Gallette was kind of a one-trick pony. Uh, he reminds me of what the Falcons have now and like Vic Beasley. Uh, you know, he's either going to beat you with his speed or he's not going to beat you at all. Uh, it, it's similar in some ways when you talk to Jim Mora about the Dome Patrol. Uh, he will tell you right now that Pat Swilling was the was of the four probably the least important and impactful guy. Even though I think fans would say Pat Swilling, I think he was the Defensive Player of the Year one year. He had a zillion sacks, right. but that's all he did. And, and Mora didn't value that as a coach compared to say. Vaughn Johnson, Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, all the other things he did. And I think that's exactly the same argument for Will Smith over Junior Gallette. He does way more. He's very good against the run, all the leadership, all the other things that he brought to the table. So I think it's – I do think Will Smith is a little overrated, you know, in, in terms of – I see how, that. I yeah, agree with you. Yeah. You know how good he was in the history of the Saints organization. I think – uh, there was a little debate and controversy over him going in the Ring of Honor. I think it was probably more of a sentimental selection. Uh, uh, he should not be in the Ring of Honor ahead of the Dome Patrol linebackers. There's just no way. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, that's another argument for another Duncan Holder podcast. Linebacker. Now, I thought this was interesting, Sir Lawrence. Uh, I think you could have gone in another uh, number of directions here. I think you picked what I would argue it are the three best linebackers in the last decade, no doubt about it. But did you struggle with trying to pick a middle linebacker, a weak side, strong side, or did you just go with the three best guys? I think I just went with the three best guys here just because linebacker play has just been so poor for much of this decade. And uh, we could start with history right in our face and Demario Davis. Uh, look, he's when you look at the free agent pickups of this Sean Payton era – I would be really close to argue that he's number two behind Breeze. That's saying Whoa. a lot. Whoa. I would I would go th- almost that far. I'm talking unrestricted free agent pickups. I mean, his value has been off the charts. Productive. He's the best linebacker we've seen since Jonathan Vilman. I'm just talking overall linebacker play. And so what he's doing right now, what we're seeing 
is spectacular. And obviously, he's got the leadership qualities. Uh, great person off the field. I'm not, you know, you could make an argument for that if you're debating it, whatever. The on-the-field production has been has been awesome for Demario Davis. I think he deserves a Pro Bowl bid this year. And so uh, I think Demario Davis, just because of recent history, it's really easy to pick him. My other two, I did just go middle linebackers just because the Sam linebacker is is like a the fullback. It's like the dinosaur. So they're like going away. So it's really hard to kind of throw someone in there. So I just kind of went with the two best linebackers. And I do think, though, uh, I have Jonathan Vilma in here, but like it's almost like he played well in that run. And then 2010, 2011, he was still playing well. Then 2012 was the biggest distraction of his career, obviously, with the bounty scandal. And then injuries and all this kind of faded away. But I do think he played well enough early in the decade to certainly make this team. And then my third linebacker, it's, look, I really like this guy on the field and off the field. And it's almost like, wow, he he played in the wrong era of of this decade, almost lost in the shuffle. But Curtis Lofton, I mean, he came in in 2012, uh, took over that middle linebacker spot with some, uh, you know, adversity, and played well for three years, of course, was uh, really the uh, the backbone of that 2013 defense. And so outside of that, though, man, you would have a real hard argument really saying, boy, that guy's an all-decade type player. It's just like, uh, where did it all go? I mean, David Hawthorne, uh, uh, you know, like we love Scott Shanley, but, you know, he, he was a super productive uh you you could just keep going on and on and think uh, Stephon Anthony, it, the, James Laurinaitis. Uh, you could almost say, hey, why not just put Craig Robertson in because he's been with the team a while and and he does special teams. I mean, that's where you were getting with the linebacker core uh, because it's a it's a pretty steep drop off after these three. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with all three of those selections. People forget how good Lofton was, and he's maybe the only selection on this team that is from that kind of middle middle part of the decade, those down years. Uh, and he was, a, I thought, a rock in there. He played. I don't think he ever missed a, a game or a down. I mean, he was on the field all the time. He took great pride in that in his career of playing through injuries. So I was glad to see you reward him. I think he definitely belongs on there. And Vilma and Davis are no-brainers. Davis is going to end up being the best linebacker uh, the Saints have had in the, in the Peyton Breeze era. Uh, the more I watch him play – the more I'm amazed the Jets let him go and that there weren't more people uh, after him in free agency. That That's a feather in the cap of Jeff Ireland and Terry Fontenot for identifying him because, frankly, I didn't know much about him when they signed DeMario Davis. And, um, man, he's he's a remarkable talent, uh, a true every-down linebacker. And I think he's gotten better, Larry, every year he's been here. So you have to credit his hard work, and Mike Nolan's coaching and the staff because he's developed. I mean, he's now pretty good in pass coverage, and that wasn't a strength of his when he came to the Saints. All right, uh, moving on to the secondary. Uh, also, I think some debate can be made here, but for the most part, uh, I don't have any problems with your four selections. Yeah, I think safety is my biggest debate, and we'll get into that. Uh, my two corners, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, easy, no-brainer, no problem, uh, playing well. A little bit injured right now, but hey, no big deal. Uh, he's he's the really true shutdown corner for this Saints. I think that's an easy choice. 
And then I went with Jabari Greer. Uh, look, a lot of people remember Tracy Porter from that Super Bowl run, but Jabari Greer was the better corner. I mean, he was, I wouldn't say a total shutdown corner, but for that team, he was the shutdown corner. And, of course, played 2010, 11, 12. And then the horrific knee injury ended his career late in 2013. And, uh, you know, it, that was that was difficult to see. But uh, I'd say uh, those two were pretty easy. Other corners you might consider, like Keenan Lewis had one good year. I remember Delvin Bro had one good year. Uh, at least you're seeing Eli Apple play better. And so that that's good. Uh, but I think the two corners are really easy. Um, and, and Jeff, I don't, like you said, I don't think you disagree necessarily there. No, I like to pick a Greer over Porter. Porter had the more spectacular plays in his career and obviously the more memorable ones and impactful ones. But Greer was better game to game, season to season than Porter. There's no doubt. And you could make an argument that he's one of the top free agent signees uh, in the Peyton Breeze era. I mean, he's really true. good. And he, and he didn't cost a lot. I mean, to get a starting corner uh, as good as Greer was uh, for what they got him was a, was a really good deal. All right, safety. A little more debate, I think, at safety. I think you could have a lot of debate at safety. And strong safety, I went with Roman Harper. And that one, I think you could debate maybe by the end of this year could change uh, with the way Von Bell has been playing. And so my argument with strong safety, I went with this. Look, Roman Harper, he had longevity, 2010, 11, 12, 13, came back and played not in a major role, but did come back. And he made a Pro Bowl, even though it was an alternate. He did make a Pro Bowl in 2010. Uh, Also, though, you can't ignore 2011. He led the team with seven and a half sacks. That's like almost impossible. Yeah, exactly. For a safety to be the team leader in sacks. So it just shows you that he played well in that role. He was not a cover guy. Uh, He was more of a linebacker type of guy. You wanted him close to the line of scrimmage. And that's not the way necessarily Von Bell plays. I think you're seeing the evolution uh, that... Uh, I think, honestly, I think it's a toss-up between Harper and and Von Bell. And do you consider Kenny Beccaro a strong safety? You have to. Like, he was a starter for a better part of this decade. But you'd see great plays. You'd see boneheaded plays. He'd get hurt. He got suspended. Uh, You know, he was, for a long time, uh, a go-to guy in the media for us. So we talked to him, but then... A lot of times he'd say he'd had 50,000 injuries that he's playing through and he'd make excuses and such and that. And so, uh, so yeah, I I went with Roman Harper and boy, I could go with Von Bell. I mean, I really can because he's, he's really improved these last few years. But I'm giving the slightest of slightest of slight edges to Harper. And I think you would argue, you could argue that Vaccaro was the more talented of the three, just physically gifted guy and would make the more spectacular plays. But the way Bell has come on, I mean, he is really becoming an elite player, and he is symbolic of the new modern NFL. He can run. He's gotten a lot better in coverage. He's playing with more confidence. And Roman Harper, I don't even know he he would have a role in today's NFL. I mean, he would be so exposed. He would not. He'd be a linebacker. He right. would be a weak side linebacker. Or yeah, or strong side linebacker, right? Yeah, he's just he, he can't run with the way they way they have the position now. Von Bell's kind of the perfect 
uh, strong side, uh, strong safety uh, in today's game, and he's really gotten a lot better. Okay, the other spot uh, was up for a little debate as well. I'm, I'm shocked you didn't go with Jairus Bird. He should have been hit, right? I mean, with <laughs> as much money as they paid him and the expectations that they had, it should have been. This should have been Jairus Bird, and the fact it isn't just shows that's one of those whips in the middle of the decade where the Saints. It's the one time, Jeff. How often do we say the Saints are measured in free agency? It's the one time they just went in and boy, they struck out at paying bid money for a free agent. But so now you you wipe out Jairus Bird. And you think, okay, think of the beginning of the decade, Malcolm Jenkins, the end of the decade, Marcus Williams. And I went with, and again, I think this is a toss-up because we're starting to see the Marcus Williams confident player playing well again in 2019. I went with Malcolm Jenkins. And I know people have a little bit of bad taste in their mouth with Malcolm Jenkins by the end just because they remember the 2011 playoffs and People are running free and all this stuff. But let's remember he played 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. And maybe this went into my judgment that Sean Payton regrets to this day letting Malcolm walk out the door and taking Jarris Bird. So if you think of it in that sense, they should have re-signed Jenkins and he should have been playing throughout most of this decade. And so maybe that came into it. And maybe the fact that Jenkins has played well in Philadelphia since then Maybe that came into it. Uh, Marcus Williams, I do think he's made himself an argument, but he did not play that great last year. So I think that kind of hit him down a notch. So I went with Malcolm Jenkins. It feels weird that I went with him. Like it says, I, it feels weird that I went with Harper and I went with Jenkins because of it seems like they were there so long ago. But my safeties are Harper and Jenkins. Well, Jenkins, I think it's important to note that that was during a very dark period where the Saints – were really, and I think Sean Payton would admit this. I mean, they're defensively, they were just all screwed up. I don't think they were very well coached on that side of the ball. And I think a guy like Malcolm Jenkins, with his talent, with his leadership uh, characteristics and intangibles, would thrive on this current Saints team. And I think that's what Payton was getting at is they screwed up. They let a good guy, a good player walk out the building. If he were playing with Aaron Glenn and, and Dennis Allen now in, th- in this group, I think he'd be a star. Uh, he'd be a great player. But back then, they were changing schemes and changing coordinators. And it's important to note that it's not always the player's fault when they when they don't produce uh, for the Saints. I, I would argue the same thing with Akeem Hicks. You know, players like that go to other teams and, and, and are coached right, and they produce. And I think that dark Jairus Bird era with the Saints, there were a lot of good defensive players here that probably got lost in the shuffle because of the way the coaching staff and uh, the way things were being managed then, unfortunately. All right, on to specialists. These were both complete no-brainers. I mean, I don't know how you could argue anything else other than maybe the kicker. Well, considering the only other person to kick a, a punt was Brandon Fields in 2015. He was Thomas Morstead has been more uh, has had more longevity than Drew Brees. I mean, let's be uh, let's be honest. He's been a healthier person and part of this group. So Thomas Morstead, that one's easy. But uh, the old Bermuda Triangle of kickers, Will Lutz put a stop to that one, and kudos to Sean Payton for doing that. And man, do do we really need to go rattled off all the kickers that they've gone through? John Casey, Garrett Hartley, 
Uh, was John Carney in this decade? I think maybe he yes. maybe he was. I don't. I think he he snuck into this decade. Yeah, he did. Uh, maybe t- twenty ten. Uh, oh my goodness! I I, I ta- now Taylor Melhoff was last decade. I forget. There's there's so many pitiful Alindo ones. Mare, Kai he was part of this decade. He was, was Alindo Mare was last decade. They all <laughs> they all like are stuck in your brain. They're so terrible. Uh, but yeah, Will Lutz, no brainer. One of the best kickers in the NFL. And I didn't do a returner uh, because. I'd maybe just said, all right, that's part of my flex with Kamara because he was a great returner. Sproles, maybe. I didn't do a returner. But these specialists, Morstead and Lutz, uh, I think there would be uh, there would be no argument from the public on that one, Jeff. I think probably the best uh, kicking situation they've ever had here. Uh, they had a great situation with Morton Anderson. And, um, oh, gosh, what's who's the taking it to the top? Partner here, Brian Hansen. I thought you were just going to start singing. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, you know, we've we've sung that song so many times in our lives. And they, let's face it, uh, Lutz and Morstead will never top that. For as great a kickers as they are, they'll never top taking it to the top. Uh, one of the great. They need it. I think they need to start a boy band. I think they will. I, look, you I should can, bring I that up to them. them. See if I don't even know. I if, think I will. Oh, well, yeah, I bet they. I bet they don't. Do they know about? It? They have to know about. It. I know how. I know how much Morstead reveres Morton, and they've worked together. And I know. I think Morton has worked with Will Lutz too. So, um, yeah, we should bring that up in the locker room today. See what they have to say. I have the. I have the audio still on my readily available. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, that that's the next athletic uh, in depth story. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, taking it to the top. All right, we're meandering here. We are. But, uh, and meanwhile, yeah, Danielle's absolutely. rolling her eyes at us. Exactly. Yeah, she has no it's idea what we're talking about. Cheesy, cheesy 80s music uh, recorded in Veal Platt, Louisiana, in Cajun country by Morton Anderson and Brian Hansen. But uh, Jeff, good job moderating. Uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime when, like, you know, if, if, only if I'm like sick or something. I, I, this is this is a weird dynamic. I can't do this ever again. This is bizarre. Can't do it. I, I thought you did a great job, Sir Lawrence. I, I think it's a very interesting all decade team. Uh, because of the roller coaster ride that the organization has gone on, uh, very few teams have gone from where the Saints were to far down as they went in complete kind of disarray. I don't think fans quite understand how bad it was during those 2015, 16, you know, where Peyton was really seriously considering leaving. I think people think that was a, a media. Uh, fabrication. It wasn't. I mean, he had reached a point where he was going to move on and the organization was ready to move on. They mended fences. They had the great drafts and the rest is history. And we could be looking at a serious uh, Super Bowl run here over the next year or two, certainly this season as well. So I thought you did a great job of kind of merging those, the two probably greatest teams of the uh, Sean Payton Drew Brees era. Yeah, appreciate it. And then uh, I think a lot of these players we're talking about could easily be on the next all-decade team. So curious to see how that goes. But Jeff mentioned Danielle, our awesome producer. I want to thank her. Uh, I want to thank everyone, of course, for listening to us here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, this is a freebie. You're getting this on Apple, Spotify. So rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, get involved in the Duncan Holder Podcast. And then, of course, Check out all of our podcasts, all of our great work, columns, in-depth stories, features, uh, video uh, from Armin Katayan, you name it, all of it over at theathletic.com. 
slash New Orleans and theathletic.com slash dunk and holder. So for Jeff, I'm Larry. Thanks again for joining us on our special all decade Saints team edition of the Dunk and Holder podcast. Talk to you soon.